Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Looking to expand or move your company? Look no further than Ohio. With a talented workforce for in-demand industries like tech, healthcare, engineering, manufacturing, and more, you can staff up and scale for growth. Ohio's central location and reliable infrastructure will help you impress your customers, while Ohio's affordable cost of living and quality of life will excite your employees. Why survive somewhere else when your business can thrive in Ohio? Visit successinohio.com today. Love Target? Well, you're about to love it even more. With Target Red Card, you'll save 5% every day, in-store and online. Find the red card that's right for you, whether it's debit, credit, or Target's new Red Card Reloadable, which doesn't require an existing bank account or credit check. With Target Red Card, you'll get exclusive deals and free shipping on most items. Visit Target.com slash Red Card to get all the details. It's always a great day to save. Restrictions apply. Listening to the Career Musician Podcast with creator and host Nomad. With 20 plus years of experience in the music industry, Nomad has done just about everything to earn a living as a career musician. From being music director to celebrity artists, playing iconic arenas and stadiums, composing for film and TV, and even playing your average local club gigs, he's done it all. Nomad's mission is to empower musicians across the globe with strategies for a sustainable career while blasting stereotypes and to bring you tried and true wisdom from his colleagues in this crazy business we call music. 
On this episode of The Career Musician, we have Dwayne Smitty Smith, bass player extraordinaire to the stars. Now, Smitty and I go way back to the Kirk Whalem days where we were introduced our first gig we did in South Africa, opening up for Casey and Jojo and Mary J. Blige with Kirk Whalem's band. Smitty has been the mainstay for Boney James for several years, but also has a long list of credits that read George Howard, Gerald Albright, Jeff Lorber, Anita Baker, Tina Marie, Natalie Cole, Kirk Whalem, of course, Rochelle Farrell, Tom Jones, and a bunch of others, including the Isley Brothers. This man knows how to keep the groove going, ladies and gentlemen. Check him out right here on the Career Musician Podcast. On today's episode of the Career Musician Podcast, we have my good buddy and bass player to the stars and beyond, Mr. Dwayne Smitty Smith. Right on. My man, Michael. What's up, Smitty? I'm doing all right, brother. Doing as as good as I can under the circumstances. (laughs) Right, exactly. Man, so what you like you just mentioned this lockdown was kind of sudden this pandemic. What were you on the road when you initially got word or what, you know what were you doing? Where were you? I was a week away from going out with Boney. We were just about wow. to get our uh, summer thing going and uh maybe a week week and a half. And uh wow, we got the uh got the email that says close it down. Everything's canceled. Man, that's crazy. So when you say Boney, that's Boney James, Boney James for right. listeners who may not who mm-hmm. may not know. Yeah, and um, that's one of the many gigs you've had for quite some time. Uh, you know, te- can you tell us about some of the other gigs that you've been doing over the years? Well, as well in June, see, late May, I was scheduled to do the Dave Cos cruise, and that's the two week cruise, and um, I've been doing that the last three or four years. And so that was canceled as well. Last three or four years, right? But, uh, right. I know uh, a few people that do that do the cruise, the Dave Cos cruise. Mm-hmm. Actually, I was just talking to Dave Hooper. So you would have, you would, you guys would have been doing the cruise together, right? right? Dave Hooper. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And who else was in that? Was I mean, I, I get, wait. Is there still two bands, two house bands, or is it one? Or well, it's three bands. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, it's three bands. And I play with L.A. Collective. That's Tony Moore on drums, Carnell Harrell, keyboards. Uh, guitar player was Rick Marcel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's funky, man. He's funky, man. <laughs> and, you know, Absolutely, and he sings man. as well. And, yeah, uh, all these cats yeah, are the cats, good man. Good cats, good cats. And, man, we back up. I think we might have backed up last year 12, 10 or 12 artists. And, wow. Uh, so it's a lot of music, but it's fun. It's fun. And it's two weeks straight. It's two weeks, man. Back to back. back to so back. you guys come back to port and then you pick up new guests right. and you leave again. Leave the next day. Or well, later that same night, I think we leave. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I did I did one or two of those years ago when I was with Kirk Whalem still. Right, right. Uh, but that was a long time ago. Now let's let's go back there. So that's how we right, met. Right? That's how we met. Yeah. South Africa. South Africa that's, was the first that's it, time. Man. Yeah. Now were you 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 were playing with Kirk? hmm I had been playing with him we were for a while. Okay. Okay. So I had just joined then. Right. Okay. You were the new cat, the new young cat. I was like, who is this cat? No, no. I was just... <laughs> uh... Oh, man. Such yeah. good memories. I really cut my teeth on that gig, man. I learned a lot on that gig, you know? Yeah, that was fun. And we were opening for Mary J. Blige and Casey and JoJo. Oh, that's right. That's right. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it was a big, a big arena. 
it was yeah, huge. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's how I met a lot of those guys from those bands. So yeah. That's so awesome. All right. So so the 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 cause cruise got canceled, but is it postponed to a later time in the year or Yeah, they haven't given us a date yet. Yeah. Okay. Um Boney okay. stuff has some of his stuff has already been moved to next year. Um from June on, we haven't gotten uh, confirmations yet on when it's going to be rescheduled. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so look, let's just dive right in. Let's mm-hmm. start with your history, man. So where are you from originally? Washington, D.C. D.C. Yeah, man. There you go. And when did you come out west to L.A.? Moved to L.A. March of 86. Okay. All right. Now, and what brought you out? Like, what was the reason? Did you have a gig already or did you just come no, out? No, no, I didn't know work? anyone, man. I was, um, I went in the Air Force when I graduated. And um, when I got in the Air Force, I went in for electronics. But when I got in, I heard about this band. I auditioned for the band and I got in the band. So I toured with this band three years. When I came home, I, uh, back to D.C., a week later, I joined like the hottest band in town. It was a jazz band, fusion band. Mike Bearden was on keyboards, and uh, some guys from Howard. Oh yeah, yeah some, of course. Some guys from Howard University. So I did that for a year, but I quickly learned I could play, but I didn't know what these cats knew. And so after about a year, I said, "I gotta go. I gotta go to school, man." And so I heard about MIT, BIT in LA. So I came out here, I got in. So when you say you had to go to school, like you're talking about you had to go to life school in LA. Well, no, no, no. I wanted to go to music school. Oh, okay. Right. Because I had the playing skills, but I didn't have the music knowledge that that these guys from Howard had. And um, so I wanted to get that. So I came out here, I went to BIT for a couple of days and I didn't like it. So I just quit. And then I jumped into <laughs> life school. I just hit the streets, man. And um, a year later, man, I got my first big gig. And my first gig was with Anita Baker. Wow. The Rapture Tour. See, man, the Rapture Tour, man. I remember that album. You're right. That that was huge, that was man, huge. when that came out. Right. So uh, you were with um, Everett Harp then, right? No, In that, that band? was a few years before Everett. Uh, it was Bobby Lyle. Oh, okay. Bobby Lyle was the MD. And you had... Uh, Donnell Spencer was on drums. Uh, wow. Perry yeah. was singing background. Pete Escovito was playing percussion. And uh, a guy from Detroit named nice. Donald Griffin was on guitar. And uh, Gerald Albright was actually the bass player. And I replaced him for about, I only did about six weeks because he, he, he had to do his first record. He had just gotten his record deal. So, um, and then when Gerald, after, after that tour, Gerald started touring. And then I started touring with him. And that's pretty wow. much how it took off. That's some exciting yeah, man. times, man. And I love I love that how, you know, for me, to me, that's the epitome of what I call a career musician because you just put all your faith into your yes, actions. Yeah. Like you just do yes. it. You know you you know you're called to you know it's in you you just got to do it. You came out here you didn't have a gig and you said like uh, basically a year later you got that yes, big gig about exactly a year. And you know I'm twenty I'm twenty four years old man. You know you don't have any fear man at the time. That's you right. Know? That's right. But let's talk about that because maybe to all the young people who are listening, what do you think it takes to come out when you're you know you just left school you just left your mm-hmm. hometown. You know, what What do you think, you know, how do you do that? What are some tips that you could tell people, look, this is what you got to well, do? First of all, you just said it, man. It's when it's in your heart, when you know that's what you're supposed to do, that's the first thing. 
And so that's a, that's a major drive right there. And then uh, youth, you know, when you're young, you have that energy, you don't have the fear, so you can move on things and um, you're not really worried about the outcome so much. And um, so I would say, yeah, if you have that desire in your heart and it's deep and you got the energy, just go for it. Just take the steps. Don't uh, don't procrastinate. Just go. Go hard. And uh, you have if you're young, you have plenty of time to fail, so to speak. But uh, yeah, just go for it, man. And, that's right. Uh, that's right. I mean, I and mean, that's the best mm -hmm. way to learn right. from failing, right? Yeah, absolutely. So. Wow, that's so cool, man. All right, so today it might be like different in certain areas in that, you know, we have the technology advancements, so everybody has studio rigs and stuff in their homes mm. or their apartments or whatever, or mobile right. studio rigs. But still the concept is the same. And obviously a lot of the venues changed, the jam sessions, but because it was the same for me when I came out in 2005, I just started going to all the mm -hmm. jam sessions right. in town. And right, you meet players, exactly. right? I mean, you just get immersed in right. the local scene. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's one on one. That's how you get on the scene. One on one, man. Go to the jam sessions. Take your bass. I want to play. Yeah. I know that song. I want to play. All right, well, come on up then, man. Let's see what you got. And fortunately for me, <laughs> I uh, when I started going to the jam sessions, guys like Wayne Lindsay, Michael White, these guys were already on the scene, so. When they heard me play, they were like, okay, this guy is okay. And I had a different groove coming from D.C. I had the go-go thing in me, you right. know. And so it was kind of fresh at that time. Nobody had that, uh, yeah. that raw, gritty, go-go, bouncy feel. And so I was just like the fresh guy on the scene. So Michael White, Wayne Lindsay, all those guys just started calling me, man. And, uh, yeah. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. Right. That's so cool. All right, so but what inspired you to play bass? I, I didn't even ask you that in the beginning. What was, how did you gravitate towards bass? That's a good bass? way to put it. I gravitated because I started on drums. I love the drums. I remember, man, um, uh -huh. when the marching bands would come out, man, I would just I would just follow along the parade or whatever, and I would just hang out back there where the drum section is, and I just loved it. You know, I was just enamored with it, man. And uh, so I started playing drums in the junior high school band. Yeah. And the bass player was playing Stevie Wonder's I Wish. And I said, man, can you please show me how to play that? I had never touched a bass, Mike, literally. And he showed me the song. Wow. I literally picked the bass up and played the song pretty good. I mean, with fingers and everything. And from that moment, it was like a drug. I was hooked. I put the drums down, went out and said, Mom, I need a bass. She bought me a $30, $40 bass. And the rest is history. Man, and that is one of the coolest bass lines right. ever Right, yes, sir, written. yes, sir. And then I think, but Stevie on that record, didn't he play it with I'm, key I'm bass? I'm pretty sure, yeah, right? it was key bass. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. But still, whether it's key bass or oh, real right, bass, it's right. like, it sounds oh, yeah. so cool. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's awesome. So you just nailed it automatically. I mean, that's, you know, that's pretty amazing. It's not, it's not, it's easy. not easy. And, uh, yeah. You know, it's a walking, walking bass line. And I played it pretty good. The bass player was pretty surprised. He was shocked at, you know, actually, because I had never played bass before. That's awesome. And then from then on, you just, just focused, focused on, on yeah. bass. That was it. That's it, man. You know, started, I found I uh, yeah. found some Larry, Larry Graham cool, records, man. and I um, came across Jocko and Marcus Miller. So I'm in the room all day, man, 10 hours a day, just learning songs, you know? And uh, it didn't take long, Mike. After about a year... After man. about a year, I was really playing well. 
Yeah. And that was like 14, 15 years old, you know? Right, right. So then you started hitting the scene out in D.C. Yeah, just playing, you know, just playing around play the neighborhood. I didn't do any professional gigs. I just played in the neighborhood with a couple of guys. And um, I joined okay. my first go-go band. I think I might have been 16. And I uh, did that for a couple of years. When I graduated, and then I went to the Air Force. Ah, gotcha, mm-hmm. gotcha. And you said you were in the Air Force band, right? Yeah, Air Force band, Tops and Blue. We were a big stage band. You know, it was a production, dancers, singers, horns. You know, we did the 1984 Super Bowl halftime. Wow. Yeah, that was that was pretty big. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big deal, man. Mm-hmm. All right, so tell us. That's a big deal. Tell man. us more about your credits, because I know from just talking to you, you know over the years doing gigs, you were with the Isley Brothers for a while, right? Right. That came along, I think, mid-90s. I see. I did Anita Baker, 87. And then pretty quickly after that, I hooked, I did the Tina Marie tour. And Michael White pulled me in on that. And then um, pretty much right after, it was all, it was all kind of back-to-back. I did uh, Natalie Cole. And I did that for a few years. And then... Um, off and on over the years, she would call and, and we'd do something. And then I jumped on the smooth jazz scene. I was playing with Gerald Albright, Bobby Lyle, Paul Jackson Jr., and uh, let me see, Tom Scott, uh, Crusaders. Nice. And then, and then around mid '90s, I uh, auditioned for the Isley Brothers, and um, it was last minute thing, man. I got the gig on like a Wednesday night or Tuesday night. Wednesday, we rehearsed, and Thursday, we were on the road. <laughs> and I did the Isley Brothers for seven years, and then mid-2000s, I jumped back on the two, on the um, smooth jazz scene. Gotcha. And that's when we met. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. when we met. Yeah. So, but again, yeah. for me, that is so classic career musician. You get the call, yo, can you do this gig? Yeah, okay, I'm sending you the music now. Learn it today, go to rehearsal, and show up in the gig. Or sometimes you don't even have a rehearsal, you just show up. That's right, you know? that's right, that's right. That's that's yeah. how we are trained to do our jobs, right? I mean... Yeah, absolutely. You know, so you're cramming probably what? For the Isley's gig, you were probably cramming 30 40 songs yeah a good 30 songs yeah, yeah. I, basically i just learned the show but um over time i had to learn more music right. you know. but at least half of those songs were hits so you know like you already knew them right yeah. oh yeah i knew probably when i went in for the audition i knew everything they asked to play so it was maybe five or six tunes and uh so i probably knew seven or eight of their tunes already that's cool that's cool. And so was it Ronald and Ernie, both in the band? They were still... Right, uh, Ronald and Ernie. Wow. Um, Roman Johnson was the MD. Uh, Sugarfoot was on drums. Wow, I was just going to ask Jonathan you. Jonathan Moffat. Yeah, it was a killing yeah. band. And uh, let me see, who else? D. LaVance was on keyboards. Bob, who else? Reggie Griffin was on keyboards. Um, it was another keyboard player. It was a famous guy. I can't think of his name right now. But uh, we had a great band, man. Great band. That's awesome. And Reggie Griffin also played guitar. So he doubled up guitar and keyboards. That's right. I I remember Mm -hmm. Reggie. I came into the Babyface band after he just left. So I I never really Ah, met him. Like, I know him. 
and I just know mm-hmm. people talk yeah. about him all the time, and you know, so I know him from mm-hmm. a distance. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I know he's a bad cat too. I mean, all these cats are just you know premium players. I love it, man. I love it. Right, man. Right. So in fact, we played with Natalie just at different times. I was after that. Oh, yeah, okay. I did a couple years with Natalie Cole. Uh, what a sweetheart, man! I really and and oh, my right? favorite gig. Hands down. Man, man. And so classy. The music was just so, you know, rich and perfect, you know. Yeah. And so sad, man. May she yes. rest in peace, man. Definitely miss her. Mm, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's and right. was Gail... And, uh, oh, now, go ahead. This was way before Gail... Okay, so I was just going to ask you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. this was uh, maybe 80, 88, 88, 89 when I got with her. And I was with her, like I said, two or three years, maybe a couple of years straight. And then we did a reunion thing when Sinbad did his um, his thing in Aruba and in Jamaica, his Soul Fest. We got back together and did that, and that was about it. But I was pretty close with Natalie, actually. Really? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were pretty close. That's awesome, man. She mm-hmm. seemed—I mean, I knew her, but I didn't know her that well. But she seemed like a really genuine sweet person anytime i you know interacted with her on the gig and i mean mm-hmm. just classy right yeah yeah very much down to earth yeah very much so yeah man i love that well, that's so it's so beautiful that music man so all right so man your, your resume your credits you built by this point like you said late 80s through the 90s now that took you into the 2000s you got back on the smooth jazz scene and, right. you know, I know because I did quite a bit of the smooth jazz scene, especially with Kirk Wellham, um, we do a lot of fly dates, right? Right, you know? right. So, I mean, right now in these times, we don't know what's going to happen with those fly dates, you know. I mean, these are un, uh, unprecedented times, as they say, right? Um, but talking about like a quick fly date where you just leave on a Thursday, come home on a you know Sunday or whatever, what are some of the essentials that you need on those on the on those gigs you know like gear or other packing items or or just little tips and tricks and things that you've learned over the years or or that like that you like to you know adhere to hmm, let me think about that i'm a pretty simple guy of course you know you got to take your trusted base your favorite base your road base right and um let me see i didn't take a lot of pedals every now and then i would take a couple of pedals maybe like a boss envelope filter boss um Ottiver. Uh, other than that, that was pretty pretty much it. Packing wise, I'd have to say I was an overpacker. Really? You know, I, yeah, I tend to like options. You know, and that I, it used to drive <laughs> me crazy, man. But I would overpack, and I have you know choices, and then I couldn't decide what I wanted to do. But uh, other than that, man, I was pretty simple, straightforward. Uh, yeah. Tips, I would say traveling tips. First of all. Be on time. Don't miss the flight. <laughs> I mean, let's start let's there, make, bro. Let's make sure we do that. Right? <laughs> oh, let's make sure. That's number one. Yes. And, uh, you know, show up, show up to the airport at a reasonable time so that people aren't even concerned that you're going to miss the flight. Right. You know? Keep everybody at ease. Just, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Exactly. Man, I so agree. So that's a good tip. That's a very good tip to go by. And, um, you know, other than that, man, just, you know, integrity in general, be on time, be ready, be likable, you know, um, keep things cool, don't create problems, stay out of the out of the mess, 
you know, uh, <laughs> don't be antisocial. You know what I mean? Right, 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 right. right. No, know I like when, to know when to know when to speak, how much to say, when not to speak. You know all that stuff. You know, learn how to learn how to be friends with the artist, but also keep that um, that respect. Don't cross the line. You know what I mean? Man, I was just going to say, yeah. I'm over here. I'm Cuban-Italian, so my hands are going up in the air. Every time you say something, right, 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 I speak right, with right. my hands, right? So I keep on affirming mm -hmm. everything Smitty's saying with my hands. And, bro, it's so true because I feel like, I feel like a lot of these things get uh, neglected or they go unsaid, but I do feel like there's people out there that need to hear it because sometimes, especially oh, yes. like you said, when you're younger, you, maybe you don't know all these protocols you know i mean i think the last thing you said talking about being friendly with the artist but not getting too close like that's a really important hmm. concept yes yes indeed especially when you're dealing with um i hate to say a high-end artist but someone of like a baby face stature you know natalie cole yeah you know, ronald Isley. Yeah. you know maybe the smooth jazz guys are a little more down you know down to earth, so to speak, and a little more approachable. But when you're dealing with those um, high Natalie Coles, yeah, yeah, the high celebrity profile, know, right, yeah. right, right. You really, you really gotta pay attention to That's that. That's right. There's nuances there, and I always tell cats, you know, especially maybe like I said, you know, and this isn't a stab. This is just encouragement to the younger cats. You know, take it easy. Don't get so close. Don't be so excited. Mm -hmm. Just. Just mm -hmm. go with the flow. Watch everybody else in the band, right? right take take, right, exactly. take like uh, notes from how everybody else is acting. And, right, you know. right, right, exactly. And sometimes the artists, you can allow the artist to kind of invite you in to their space. Right. And even if you have, if you're dealing with an artist that's very open and very down to earth, still be careful. You can still bridge that break that line, you know? So just, it's just a wise thing to, to know, take note of, you know? Man, so true. And the thing about, the thing about artists is unlike musicians, they have managers. So a lot of times they'll go tell their manager what's happening. And mm. then you get a phone call or an email right. from the manager right. and you're like, what, what happened? <laughs> you know? Right, right. So, exactly. I mean, that's, Very that's why they're insulated. They have managers to handle those mm. type of, you know, interrelationship that's kind right. of things. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So. Right. And part of the reason for that is to keep their position and also to keep, um, to keep the drama down between the musicians and that artist. That's right. You know, it's not, it's not, ultimately, you know, it's coming from them, the artist, through the manager, but uh, it's not personal. Man. So you know, true. So keeps, uh, I think that's really yeah, important. Yeah. That's so. That's the flip side mm -hmm. of this. You know, on, right. on on the one side, be careful what you do and say and how you act. But on the mm -hmm. other side, it protects everybody. Right. Exactly. Hi, this is Smitty Smith, and you're listening to Career Musician Podcast with Nomad. Culminating a lifetime of experience, Nomad is the career musician. Stream the Career Musician podcast, highlighting interviews with other industry professionals, providing insight and strategies for a sustainable career for the next generation of aspiring career musicians. You're listening to the Career Musician podcast by Nomad. 
Subscribe to the brand new Career Musician YouTube channel. Download, subscribe, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast platforms. Let's talk about studio etiquette because I feel like it's it's very similar to this thing that we're talking about with this sensitivity with the artists. You know, I know I know you've done some big, big sessions. So, what's it like for you and what has it been for, like for you over the years when you have done some of these big sessions and you know, how do you handle that? Like you said, it's pretty much the exact same thing. You can uh, you can approach it the same way. I think um one thing about the studio I learned was um, let the let the producer and it depends on the producer, but let the producer initially tell you what he wants or she wants. And if they're the type of producer that really doesn't know how, because some good producers don't really know how to tell you or direct you, so to speak, they'll just kind of leave it up to you. And then maybe throw little comments at you. But if you have a producer that knows what they want, let them tell you what they want. But be prepared to be creative and know how to be creative, when to be creative and know how to take direction and, and mix those two things up. Right. That was one big thing I learned. Don't come in just going for it. Don't come in just completely uh, playing a straight lace. You know, you can give them a little bit from the gate, because they want a little creativity. They want your personality, but just make sure you don't go all guns out from the gate unless they say so. They say just, hey man, just go for it. Of course, then you just go for it. But that was a, that was a good lesson that I learned. It took me a minute to learn that. At one point when you're young, I would come in, coming from DC, the go-go scene, bass players back then pretty much just played the pocket. Mm. They just play the groove repetitive all night long. Yeah, but that's why you have such uh, a deep pocket. <laughs> right, exactly. Yep. But that pocket gets yeah. deep. And so I would come in the studio in this, in this pocket city, and they would say, you know, give me some more, give me this and give me that. And it took me, it took me a minute to learn how to uh, really improvise. Mm. And then once I got that down pretty good, I got happy. And then I would come in and, and just be going for it. And this was before the gospel cats came on the scene. <laughs> and you know, that's what you know, that's what they do pretty well. And I, I'm not mad at it. But so I had to learn that balance. It took me a couple of years, a few years to really learn that balance. Right, right, right. You know? But dude, your funk is so nasty. Your pocket is so killing. <laughs> so, right, I mean, right, you got right, it all. Right. And you and you got the chops too. So like, I mean, I just remember us playing together. We had a blast, dude. Oh yeah. man, yes, yes indeed. So, yes. who was who was playing drums on that? I was it Sean was it McCurley. Sean That's McCurley. what I thought. Yeah, yeah, because I think I think he was in the band before I was as well. Yeah, yeah. right, and yeah, right. Yep. Okay. So yeah, actually, that was really tight. And on keys, I know we had a couple different. Was it Mike Logan yet, or he might have come later? Oh no, hmm. on keys was it was Rick Jackson. Oh yeah. Right. That's oh man, I forgot about Rick. Wow. wow. Right. I love Rick, man. I haven't spoken to him in a few years. Yeah. I have to check yeah, in it's on been him. A minute. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was fun, it man. Was good was times, fun. good times. So any any big sessions of note that come to your mind, like, you know, 
of any, any producers or artists that you say, oh, yeah, I remember that one. That was pretty dope or this and that. Or, or I know after a while they all blend together. I know for me it's like that. Right. It's hard to remember. Right, right. <laughs> Some of the bigger sessions I did that I enjoyed, um, I, I did maybe three of Legacy's records. Maybe maybe four or five tracks, six tracks on maybe two, maybe three of her records, and um, Rex Wright out produced. I was just say that's Rex, right? I love right, Rex. Right, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. And so Rex Rex was calling me a lot to do. Oh man, I say almost all of his stuff. I was play. I would play on at least some of it. So Lettucey, uh Mesa, Mesa, yeah. Um, yeah, Layla Hathaway. Oh, here's the crazy part. You know, I've played right, on right. those records too, but just as overdubs. Okay. Yeah. So, right, right, right. <laughs> those are right. the three mains that I did with him: Mesa, Lettucey, and Layla Hathaway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those are some. There was some good stuff there. Teddy Campbell on drums. Right. Right. Who um, played? Uh, I can't remember guitar. It was a guy who played with Stevie Wonder, white guy. Hmm. Played guitar. I can't remember. He was good. Yeah. He was good. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, yeah, that was some good stuff, man. So you guys were tracking. Uh, did a lot of. Oh, sorry. We tracked live. Yeah, I love that. Live. I love that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we tracked live. So you know, four day sessions, all day sessions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are best. Oh, two, I bet you it was. Uh, it was Earl. Earl Cooney Earl. on guitar. That's yeah, right. yeah. Okay. Love him. That's love him, okay. man. Kill yeah. him. Yeah, he was nasty. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man. Uh, those were some three big ones. Um, I did a lot of stuff with Michael White and um, let me think, Will Downing. I probably played on most of his maybe the last eight or nine records. Oh wow, yeah. Uh, Will Downing and uh, a lot of those I do right here at home though. Right. And uh, yeah, some other stuff. Some other Brian Simpson. Man, yeah, I can't remember them all. Right, right, right. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Hey, when uh, I know I'm shifting gears, but talking about your health and lifestyle, because I know, like for me, on the road, it's a lot. You know, I think it's a, I think it could be harder and sometimes easier on the road to maintain a good. You know, but what have what have you done? You know, throughout your career to maintain some good health. Well, last twenty years, I've been pretty much a health nut. Anyway, so but like you say, it's a little more difficult on the road. Uh, what I do is I just um, try to make the best of catering, of course. Yes. And generally, catering is catering is pretty good. And uh, but I would just go for the best of it. The greens. I eat a lot of greens, right. salads, and not a lot of um, sweet stuff and sweet drinks and sodas and stuff like that. Candy. You know, I have a little little treat here and there, and I eat a lot of fish. But also, um, I would also try to exercise. You know, you get up in the morning and run a couple of miles, you know, hit the gym for a minute. And that really gives you uh, energy on the road when you're not getting right. a lot of sleep. You know, you need that little energy to get you through the day because we go to work at night. Right. So you have your whole day. And when most people are home resting, we're going to work. <laughs> right, right, so, right, 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 right. So, you know, so eating well, not eating too heavy, staying away from the sweet stuff, uh, not too much. You know, I drink a beer here and there back then, not so much now. And uh, like I said, exercising really made a big difference. So, and, you know, and, so, and, just, and just living a clean, just a clean life generally. Right, know, right. No drugs, yeah, yeah, nothing yeah, like that. Yeah. Man, it's so true because especially I think, once again, the higher up you go on that celebrity status ladder of gigs, 
the more uh, accessible the the dangerous things become, right? Right, 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 right. Yeah, man. You got to yeah. definitely watch mm-hmm. out for that. Um, so you right. like to run. Do you do any any other type of uh, exercise? Do you like to circuit train or or do CrossFit or just regular, you know, no, things, nothing, yoga or anything no, like nothing that? Nothing like that. Nah, nothing like that. Very simple. I don't run so much now that I'm older, but I do like maybe a two-mile power walk. And I just do some calisthenics, you know, some push-ups and some basic calisthenics. And uh, man, that that's you know that that keeps me going. Exactly, same here. I've been doing a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. No, you look great, bro. I just saw you in the airport. What about maybe a month or so ago? Well, before yeah, all yeah, this, right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. All right, all right, all right. You were playing with Boney James, and I was with Lettucey right next door. We didn't even realize. Oh, it. was that right? Yeah. That's right. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay. That's funny. Right, full man. circle, man. Mm-hmm. Right, full circle, man. So, t- talk to me about your business you know, acumen, man. I mean, to be, again, I, you know, I'm sorry for maybe overusing this term, but I think this is the true embodiment of a career musician, knowing how to deal on the business side, knowing how to talk to managers and knowing how to negotiate and and so forth. Mm -hmm. Any, uh, any words of insight on that front? Well, you know, to be honest, I didn't do a lot of dealing with managers. Uh, Just a couple of times when I, when I got the Anita Baker gig, I dealt with the musical director. Mm. Um, and But that's um, just as important. Much, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, he talked about all the details and everything. Back then, that was my first gig. He pretty much said, this is what the gig is. This is what it pays. I didn't, you know, it was, it was great for me. So there was no negotiating there. And then um, with Tina Marie, right. I talked with the manager, basically... Um, yeah, hey, this is what the gig pays, and it was fine. Michael White had already kind of given me a heads up, so it wasn't a lot of negotiating there. Natalie Cole, same thing. I had just come off those two gigs, so I pretty much said, I, this is kind of what I need, you know, what I'm used to, mm. but she was paying a little less at that time. And um, mm. she didn't quite meet what they were paying, but a year later, I went back to her and said, hey, can we step if you it have up, to you know? sub out, what is your protocol? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know how do, have you ever have you ever had to say no thank you to a gig? Because <laughs> right. those are those are okay. both kind of sensitive things, you know. <laughs> right. Well, what I try to do as far as subbing out, if I can't give the artist at least two weeks notice, I try not to sub out. Right. Unless it's a situation which is very rare, like, say, it's a local gig and it's one gig, or even if it's a smooth jazz artist and it's one show, and um, Boney calls and say, hey, man, we got 10 shows we got to do last minute. We're going to do it, you know, 10 days from now. Then, you know, uh, you got to make that choice. Um. But that doesn't happen very often. As far as, what was the other So second, a, have you had to question? say no thank you, you know? Maybe a couple times in my career. Maybe a couple times. One time I, um, and it depends on, I think it was a matter of, it was a difficult artist or something like that. And um, I just didn't want to be. Right, <laughs> right. I just, I'm, I'm low key, man. I don't like conflict. And I just didn't want to be around a difficult situation, you know. 
and I, I won't name any names, but uh, that would be one thing I would stay away from. I remember one situation. I actually took a gig, and once I got on the gig, it was just a scene I didn't want to be around, and I, I bailed out of the gig, but I told them, look, if you can't get anyone, I'll do it. But I'd really rather not. And I explained to them why, and they were cool. And they got, they got on the phone, they, they got someone, and um, so I bailed out. I think, I think that's <laughs> a, good, like, a good example of sometimes when you just are honest, things work out for the best. Mm. Yeah. Right, right, absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, uh, before I go out, because I want to talk about your music, I want to wrap with talking about your music, but before I do that, any memorable uh, moments or words of wisdom that you can cultivate, you know, kind of in one concise thought? Hmm. Memorable, memorable moments, of course, was my first gig with uh, Anita Baker. That was memorable. I remember when uh, I initially auditioned for the gig, and um, they called me and said, well, you know, she, she, um, you did a great job, but she went with this other guy. I think at the time, this high guy, his name was Charles Meeks, I think. He was the high guy then. But uh, thanks for coming down. Half hour later, the phone rings. I pick it up. They say, hey, look, man, <laughs> Charles Meeks decided he didn't want to do the gig. He's making enough money in town, and the gig wasn't paying what he wanted. And she liked your groove. She liked your tape, so the gig is yours. And I remember just doing backflips in the living room. <laughs> and so that was pretty memorable, how that came yeah. about. And, uh, and then, of course, the Isley Brothers, I remember realizing at some point, I'm on stage with the people my mother and father used to blast in the house when I was 10 years That's old. right. Wow. And I was on the road maybe a few weeks before I realized that. And so that was a very memorable moment. Um, overall, uh, wisdom or insight, I think we kind of touched on yeah, it. Yeah, you really did. You, um, you touched on a lot of good you stuff. Know, just, just go for it. Be prepared. Yeah. Be uh, high, high integrity is good. Honesty is good. Uh, just be wise, be smart, be likable, stay out of trouble. Remember, this is a job. This is a profession. And um, treat it just like any other job that you respect and that you expect to get paid for. That's right. And uh, also, I'd say this for the young guys, plan ahead. Not necessarily have a fallback or what do you call it? Yeah, a fallback or... Uh, uh, plan option, B, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Plan B, right. I remember Kirk Whalem saying this, and I'll never forget it. He said, someone asked him about his um, his plan B, and he said, I never had a plan B. This is what I wanted to do, and this is what God gave me to do, and uh, I'm going for it. So yeah. I, I wouldn't say is anything wrong with a plan B. Yeah, I can, I can plan identify ahead with in that. Terms of, right. Plan ahead in terms of what, what do I want to do 20 years from now? When the new hot guys come on, come on the scene, you know, because it, it happens every 10, 15, 20 years. That's right. There's a new crop of guys coming up, taking the gigs. So what am I going to do? So plan ahead, work on writing songs, producing. Yes. Maybe teaching or some other things. Yes. You know, if you can, if you do well while you're young, buy some property. You know, these kind of things. You yes. know what I mean? Yes. 
Uh, so that's that's some good stuff to think about. And you you did just that. Uh, I know you know. I did all those things. Yes. We bought some stuff early in the '90s, and um, actually, I gave up one of my properties. I actually bought too much when I was young, and so we had to go back to renting for for several years, many years actually. And then then um, we have a couple of properties in South Carolina, so we're still renting now. We're actually looking to buy again. But we have some property in South Carolina that we rent out. Right. A couple of places. So yeah, that's a good thing to have, you that's know. That's right. In your future. That's yeah. right. Man, that that is the perfect words. Those are the perfect words of wisdom. Thank you so much. So look, let's talk about your music because you've been you've been a sideman playing in all these bands for all these years, but then you have a couple albums and talk about that. Was it do you consider it to be a transition or more of a duality? Actually, a duality. Um, because my goal wasn't necessarily to that's what, be... That's what I thought, yeah. An, an artist, you know, but I just enjoy recording, writing, recording, putting the songs out, selling the CDs on the road. You know, all the artists let you do that. And um, so I do that. I really enjoy that. Uh, but now, at this point, I'm really considering putting more emphasis on... The artist side, um, so yeah, I really enjoy um, you know doing records. So what are the what are your two albums? I think you said two albums out right now. Is that right? Or yeah. okay, yes, I did uh, my first record. It's been a while since I did my first one. It's called This Is Me. I did it maybe ten years ago or so, 10, 12 years ago, and it was the first thing I ever did. First time I've written songs and I recorded. It was a great record. I featured Gerald Albright. I featured Will Downing. And uh, some other guys, I think Oscar Seaton, um, who played keyboards, Brandon Coleman, oh, Daryl yeah, Crooks. Yeah. We went in and cut most of the stuff live. And then maybe five, six late, years later, I did a second record, which is called Stories. It's just a great record. You got to get this record. Yeah. Stories. Okay. Same band, Oscar Seaton, Daryl Crooks. Um, um, uh, yeah, Daryl Crooks and Brandon yeah, I Coleman. I love all those cats. Oh, yeah, man. We just we just feel so good together. Sax player from D.C. by the name of Kevin Levi. And I think Michael White might have played on one tune. Nice. But Stories is a, if I can boast on myself a little bit, I almost think this is a brilliant record. Good. It's so different. And it's so, it's not smooth jazz. It's not fusion, but it has a little fusion, a little neo some DC go-go bounce in it. It's got some, Kirk Whalum did this amazing horn arrangement on So What. Nice. With a little DC flip on it. And um, I did an old tune by Weather Report called Palladium. Right, I remember that tune. And I, yeah, I flipped that too. You got it. You guys got to get this Okay, record. is it it's is it streaming cool. everywhere? It's streaming, okay, cool. um, iTunes and all that Spotify. Stuff. It may not be on Spotify right now. We had a problem with Spotify. Okay. But pretty much everywhere else. Okay, cool. And stories mm -hmm. by Dwayne yeah. Smitty Smith. We can get that. And what are all your socials? You have a website and your Instagram, Facebook? Yeah, website, DwayneSmittySmith.com. Um, Twitter, at, I can't remember what it is. I'm sorry. It's all good. Twitter, Facebook, I, uh, Instagram. You'll find me on all that stuff. Cool, yeah. man. That is so mm -hmm. awesome. Yo, Smitty, thank you so much for sharing with us on the Korean Musician yeah, Podcast. You're welcome. You're welcome, brother. Had seen you. It's been a while, man. I know. It's been too long. It's been you too know. long. 
Hey, going out real quick. Would you mind doing some rapid fire questions? Just like, don't even think about it. I'm going to ask you some, uh, some like, you know, fun questions about what you do in your personal time. Uh, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite food? Salmon. Oh, sorry. Let me do that one again. I actually need to think about that. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't have a favorite food, so I got to kind of make up something. Uh, and then you can well, ask you me said that salmon. Again. That's a good one, though. I mean, I said salmon. That's because I eat it a lot. But it's really not my favorite food. Yo, if you didn't have to uh, worry about your health and you could eat whatever you want, what's your favorite food? Ice cream. Ice cream. I love it. <laughs> Chocolate cake and ice cream. Oh, man. It's right up my alley. Favorite drink. Okay. Besides water. I know we all hydrating, but besides water, favorite drink. Kool-Aid. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, a nice iced tea. Oh, yeah. Unsweet. 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 See, I like that. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Favorite sport. Football. Okay. How do you spend your free time? With my family, my wife, my daughters. Uh, believe it or not, we musicians, we get to our hobby. Our job can also be our hobby. Right. So I just play my bass, you know, learn songs. There you go. Like that. There you go. Mm -hmm. What do you do on long flights? Do you sleep or do you like to stay in engaged? I usually sleep right away. Yeah. And then uh, once I wake up, I'll listen to some music, maybe watch a mu movie, read some book. You know, I read my Bible a lot. Nice. You know, things like that, you know. Awesome. Mm -hmm. What's the latest song or band that you've listened to that you haven't worked on? That I haven't worked on. Band or songs that I've listened to. Artists, you know, whatever. Hmm. Artists that I've listened to. Wow. Hmm. That's a tough one, right? Because we're always working that's a, that's on music. A, that's a tough one. Right. That's, yeah. a, that's a tough one. You know, I really don't have an answer for that one. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Do, do you mm -hmm. have a favorite TV show or movie that you've been watching lately? Shark Tank. <laughs> I love Shark Tank. Don't watch a whole lot of movies, but I watched Shark Tank. One of my favorite movies was Coming to America. Nice, nice. Course, love it, love know. it. Yeah. I love both of yeah. those. Uh, yeah, now, before this crazy uh, pandemic that we're experiencing, when you would shop, do you prefer to shop online or brick and mortar? Brick and mortar. However, the young guys are telling me, man, you got to shop online. Boney James shops online. Omari Williams, our drummer, he shops online. He's like, man, you got to get your stuff online, man. It's easy. Right, you right. Know? <laughs> so I think I'm going to start trying that. That's cool. Hey, dream collaboration. I mean, you've collaborated with a lot of the big ones, but if there was uh, a dream collab that you, you could have, whether they were deceased or, you know, it doesn't matter. Whomever. Mm. You know, uh, I've been trying to collaborate collaborate with this guy named Mike Rapole, but I can't get to him. His manager, you know, it's it's tough, man. I can't get to him. You know, that's but, uh, other than other, other than Mike Rapole, maybe I love to collab with Marcus Miller. Oh, see, that's a good one. I like that. I like mm -hmm. that. Uh, hey, you know what? By the way, I heard that guy Rapole changed his name to Nomad, so I don't know, man. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Uh, that was okay. a good answer, but I would love to see you and Marcus Miller doing some crazy stuff together. That would be interesting. Yeah. That would yeah. be interesting. And finally, bro, if you weren't a career musician, what do you think you would do? Wow. I have no idea. <laughs> Mike, I was, into, I was into sports growing up. Right. I wanted to play, play pro ball. I was pretty good at baseball. Um, I may have gone that route. Uh, I was actually on foot. I was actually practicing one day in high school on the football field, you know, football practice, and um, I couldn't stop thinking about my base, man. Ah. And um, one day, I actually just walked off the field, 
and never went back. So if if bass hadn't come into my life, I may have gone the sports route. Wow. Okay. That's mm-hmm. cool, man. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I think I, I find that a lot of musicians have that um, that duality, you know, sports and music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would. I, right. I was never coordinated enough for sports, so for me it was right, music. Right, yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, once again, Smitty, thank you so much. And yo, we got to do some tracks together. So maybe during this quarantine time, we can send some ideas back and forth. Absolutely, I'm down. That would be awesome. I'm absolutely down, brother. Thank you, my friend. Man, I love you, man. It's good to see you and talk with you. Let's stay in touch. Same, stay safe. Thank you. Same here. Love you back, bro. Amen. Right on, brother. All right, be good, man. All right, my man. Join the Career Musician Facebook group and get involved in the conversation. Download, subscribe, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast platforms. Be sure to subscribe to the Career Musician Podcast and like the Career Musician on all social platforms to stay up to date on news and topics that affect your music career. Just a nomad, nowhere man Writing the songs in this one-man band A nomad, yeah I'm a Hey, this is Nomad, host and creator of the Career Musician Podcast, and I am thoroughly stoked to be an official member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Pantheon Podcast Network is the first of its kind as an all-music-based podcast collective. Please be sure to check us out at pantheonpodcast.com for more info. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.